This is the Kill Screen Podcast. If you're like me, you know that story in games is a little bit of a problem. Bad stories, nonsensical stories, and if you're wondering why video game movies are so, so terrible, video game narratives are probably a good place to start. But over the last couple years, something really special has been happening in the world of games. There's this new slash old practice called environmental storytelling that has really emerged as a very effective way to tell stories in an engaging way in games. So this style is really interesting because it pulls from a lot of non-game worlds. So architecture, theater, these are fields that have struggled with how to tell stories in spaces for quite some time, and games are finally starting to listen to them. So when the first crop of games that would be described as environmental storytelling games in a 3D environment started hitting the market, they were derided as being what were called walking simulators. The intimation there was that there was nothing to do, that you just walked around and then people talked at you and then there was just nothing to do, which honestly couldn't be further from the truth because environmental storytelling really pushes games into new directions, into these new unique experiences. It's a really effective tool that game designers now have. At the front of this charge is a designer named Davey Reedon. I was fortunate enough to speak to him over the phone. He's based in Austin, and his games are mechanically simple, but they're really dense with story. He's especially skilled at subverting the player's expectations. So, for example, it's really common for his in-game narrators to break the fourth wall. You might walk through a door and then end up in the exact same place that you started in this very M.C. Escher-esque loop. His first game was called The Stanley Parable, and that won excellence in narrative at the 15th annual Independent Games Festival. There's no combat. There's no action, as it were. The plot starts with a very simple premise about a very simple man who decides to go his own way. He doesn't listen to his own game's narrator. Things ensue from there. His second game, The Beginner's Guide, pushed into the world of metafiction, of Charlie Kaufman and Cervantes. Davey narrates the whole thing, and he takes you through a number of incomplete and abstract game creations that were made by a developer named Coda, who may or may not exist in real life. In fact, the metafiction was so effective that many critics and players were led to believe that Coda was a real person, and Davey had committed some act of theft, which, again, could not be further from the truth. Or could it? I don't know. Maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't. In the following conversation, we talk about his design principles, his past as a film school student, and his fittingly unconventional approach and entrance into the world of games. I cheated the system, basically. I was in college at USC studying film, and in my spare time, like video games were always my passion, and, and in my spare time, I decided I really want to give a shot at uh, or take a stab at making a video game. I was inspired by a lot of the mid-2000s era sort of artsy Half-Life 2 mods that were coming out like Dearester and Radiator, and uh, and I wanted to see if I could do it for myself. And the original Stanley Parable was just me sitting down in my bedroom at college for two years, just hammering away at this uh, not very well-crafted, but well-intentioned little mod. And... Like, I graduated from college literally thinking that I was going to open up a bar, right? Like, there was no intention that game design was never really on the radar. Um, like, except maybe briefly. But when I, by the time that Stanley Parable came out, I was like, I, I'm, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm not a game developer. And then it got all of this, like, crazy response and reception. And 
suddenly I was like, well, maybe I am a game developer. Huh, how about that? <laughs> so typically people, when they go to film school, they want to go into film, right? And that doesn't quite seem to be the case for you. You seem to be interested in, in other things. Was, was school something else, like it was about story or structure? Film school was a very intellectual decision. Uh, when I was young, I would think of video game ideas all the time. Like in middle school and high school, I would be like, ah, this video game idea, what about this? And what I realized was that I was really focusing on the stories of the video games. So the, realizing that what I was really cared about was the storytelling um, made me go, well, that is just what film is, right? Like film is just the story part without all the gameplay. And... Uh, <laughs> And it's it didn't one, hurt. one long cutscene. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean that, but like that's it, right? And it, and it, and now in retrospect, I'm like, well, that's crazy to think that that would be appealing. Like, obviously, it doesn't translate like that. But at the time, I I somehow thought that that made sense. And it also the other part of it was that like film was just more of a legitimate career path, right? Like movies are respect more of a respectable business you know i don't know i wanted to like impress my parents right and i i think that usc film school sounded more impressive than like one of the um specialty video game like <laughs> colleges that i would show them in magazines and they would go like are you sure about that but then i'd be like or liberal arts slash film education at a major established university and they were like now that sounds good you know so i don't know i i didn't I had a hard time making that distinction at the time. And when after I got into film school, it didn't take long to realize like, oh, I don't love film nearly as much as everyone else here. Like right. these people love film. Right, and they're right. willing to do anything to work in film. Yeah. And I am not. Were there any films that inspired you before The Stanley Parable? It's funny because the films that were really meaningful to me back then have kind of, it's not that they're not meaningful to me anymore, but the media that was really important to me were these big, actually, this is going to make perfect sense for Stanley Parable, but there were all things that had these like giant twists in them, like these wacky turns and oh my God moments. You know, I loved Chris Nolan's early films. I was a huge fan of Charlie Kaufman's work. Not that Charlie Kaufman is like like gotcha type of stuff, but just anything like really subversive. I would think like, oh my God, I want to make a thing that people are going to play and just go, whoa, what the, whoa, how do, whoa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because like that really got me into games and that that mode has become less interesting to me over time. And I, I still have a deep appreciation, you know, down in my bones for that. Like I have a, you know, a childlike sort of wonder about that, but it, it's definitely not what like drives me anymore. So what films move you now? Yeah, I mean, I'm I gravitate more toward slower but denser and and more emotionally rich like film or anything really, but like, you know, to take film, just films that are sort of more about the slow-moving mundane complexity of relationships and and emotion. Um one of my favorite films the last couple of years was Inside Out. I just I don't know, man. It was like to me the whole message of that film is like emotions are complex and worth investigating on a deep level for the richness and complexity of their the things they have to offer that are not immediately apparent on the surface and like that is i'm so moved by that idea today davy so since your games are so different from what's out there is your process for creating them really different from the way that other people create video games 
what I what I kind of always have to start with, and this is not a hard and fast rule. I've definitely made things not this way, but I would say predominantly the way that I make things is by starting with an emotional core that I feel really, really excited about. And a lot of times I have no idea what the game is that I want to make with that thing. Or it'll be like, I know what the feeling is, and I know basically what stuff is in the game, but I have no idea what you'll actually do in the game that will get you to that feeling, right? And it's weird because I'll, sometimes I'll say to someone, I have an idea for something, and they'll be like, oh, cool, I'd love to hear about it. And I'll try to explain it. And it's clear that people just don't get it because I don't know what the game is yet. Like, I'll, I'll say, like, what if it was like, okay, you're going through this place, and then you see this kind of thing, and then, you know, it would, like, something would happen there, right? You know? And, and but then it would be like, but then you'd end up in this other thing, and, and then I, how do you deal with that, right? Like, how are you supposed to interpret that? Like, what's the something in the middle that happens? I usually don't know that. And so making the game is about finding out what it actually is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, for the, like, the emotional chord, I'm curious, like, where... Where does that come from for you? Really, just what it comes from is like what what's going on in my in my life that makes me that I just feel interested in or excited about. Or usually it's excited about, but because no one else has really explored, right? right? Like it's it's the convergence between here's a thing that's really like strong for me emotionally in my life right now, and what is what are other people not talking about or not looking head on and really addressing and and the the ideas that become games or projects or whatever final that become finished products are the the in the middle slice of the venn diagram between those two things so like on stanley parable for example that was the convergence of everything that i was interested in up until i was you know 20 right like that was my my whole life up to that point when I was younger, I was deeply terrified of getting stuck in a rut and never getting anywhere and never making it and never expressing myself and never having a way to really like, like I was terrified that I was just going to somehow fall into like a routine and piss my life away and, and never do anything. And I, in retrospect, that's absurd, but like that was what I was really afraid of at the time. And, and I was, I would crave like anything that promised break from that, anything that promised subversion or, or, or change or chaos. Like I would drink it because I needed to, it was like a drug to placate me from the fear of mundanity and simplicity, you know? We're all drawn to the thing that terrifies us, right? Somehow or another, we we find ourselves uh, laying awake at night thinking about, you know, that person whose opinion we're terrified of and what they think of us or whatever. And I would, I, I decided to bathe in it. I was so terrified of, of the weird complexity of the world that I, like, I, the, part of the point of making Stanley Parable was that, like, I was so afraid of contradiction and complexity that I said, okay, I'm going to make a game that makes other people feel that way, but I'm in control of it because I just, I wanted to feel like I wasn't at the mercy of this weird chaotic force. But then Stanley Parable came out and it really changed a lot of things for me because I was put in, you know, sort of a new position where I got the things that I was looking for, right? Uh, I was no longer at risk of working a nine to five job 
you know, every day until I was 65 and then retiring and just playing golf, right? It was like, no, you have a career now. Like this is, this is a real thing. And, and so a lot of those fears, the fear that was driving that insatiable craving for complexity and contradiction, like that kind of went away because it was no longer a pressing fear. And uh, what happened instead was in that sort of weird period of time, I kind of burned a bunch of relationships with people and um, was not so good to people for a little while because I was dealing with my own, you know, my own bullshit. And so as I started to come out of that, what started to become more interesting was looking at relationships and looking at why people burn relationships and, and how good relationships go bad. And but also to understand uh, to understand that in the context of like, how do you create good relationships? How, how, how can you be really good to yourself? You know, like what is hard about self-compassion and com having compassion for others and, and hopefully in exploring what's hard about it, how do we, how do we build better relationships and, and to, and have more compassion for ourselves when we screw up, you know, when we make, when we make really stupid mistakes, um, what is, what does it take to be kind to yourself about it? That was uh, what I was experiencing at the time. And, and I had this form that I was already working in, which was the, the basic structure of Beginner's Guide. And, uh, and so I said, oh, okay, now I need to explore this new idea. So I'm going to shift the thing that I've been doing, which started in the more just purely about chaos and contradiction. And I'm going to shift it toward this more much smaller, uh, much more mundane, but at the time a much more interesting story to me than just making another game about, you know, contradiction. Yeah, that's so different from the way that game designers traditionally have, like, created games. You know, like, uh, Mario 64 was, it was like a sandbox of just Mario jumping, and then they kind of figured out, like, oh, that's the most exciting piece of mechanic. Let's just build a whole game. Or, I mean, Mario jumps, obviously, but that was, like, a big step forward for them was, like, the feel of this jumping, which in some ways, I guess does have that emotionally resonant core to it. It's just they're starting from mechanic spaces and that engenders a particular emotion. It seems like you're starting from an emotional basis and then, you know, working within a, a structure that expresses that. Right. I mean, my, my philosophy about it is that everything that's interesting has a strong emotional core, even if it is just Mario, right? Like, like I, I think that everything, I, to my, my personal interpretation of it is that every piece of media that I think is really good is, is about something, even when I can't really articulate what that something necessarily is. And I just can't, I, I, I've tried being like, I'm going to make a game about uh, I don't know. I, I can't do it. I can't start with a mechanic. I, I don't know why, but I just nothing. I don't I can't get excited about a, a, a thing that you do on your with the controller. Right. When you sit down and start a new game, how do you go about is that an intent on your part? You're like, well, let me make I'm not going to I'm going to focus more on this type of complexity and grow that from there. Or does it just come from a like a, a function of what your talents and preferences are as a as a game designer? Well, well, Stanley and Beginner's Guide both both of those came from the same fundamental place, which was that it was it was design constraint. I didn't have the ability to make something that was weirder than that on a mechanical level, right? Like mm -hmm. I played Dearester and I was like, oh, you don't need that other stuff like if i had thought that i needed to do more work in order to get to that point i wouldn't have done it because i knew that i wasn't a very good crafts person i don't really have the ability to like 
sit down and tinker mechanically with something for ages and ages and ages. I get bored really quickly. So it's weird how serendipitous it is because that enabled me to get into the design work that I was interested in, but it also made the games more accessible because it meant that I didn't have to ask anything of people, particularly mechanically. But I think that was part of what was exciting to me about it was realizing that like, if I were able to take this very, very mechanically light form and make something that feels dense and complex, that'll be really cool. And Stanley Parable was me challenging myself, basically. Like, the, the initial goal there was like, could I take a game where that is made of empty corridors, where nothing happens and you don't do anything, and could I make it really tense and kind of scary and or and just and actually engaging? Mm-hmm. I actually at the at the same time I had a third game idea that I was tinkering around with that was significantly more mechanically complex, and I just I went. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that because that will, oh my God, that will take so much time. And here I am sitting on this idea for a game that was not, I don't have to do any of that. But I mean, that said, across those two games, I feel like I I said everything that I have to say about that particular format, right? Hmm. So it's not like as a format, it was and, and is so deep and engrossing that I could just ideate on it forever. It's like, no, it presented itself to me in a particular time of need, and it had a certain amount of bandwidth to it. And I spent that bandwidth on those two games, and now it's done, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like a genre to me. Mm. You would like to limit the mechanical complexity? You know what I mean? That's not something that you're as interested in exploring. Um, But the spaces that you've built, I think those are incredibly memorable. How do you go about designing those? Um, How do you go about sitting down and like figuring out like, okay, what am I going to do with this 3D space? And um, I'm curious about what that what that piece of your process looks like. I'm not I'm not sure that 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 it's actually uh, as intentional as you as you maybe want it to be. Uh, I think the way that it happens is just through iteration. Like I was doing this, especially during beginner's guide development was just like I would take pictures of buildings all the time. I would grab that picture and I would point to it and go, that's what I want this space to look like. And probably four out of five times we would build that space and then put it, try to attach it to something in the game and then go, oh, it wasn't really that interesting. I've gotten myself into a lot of thorny situations where I was trying to get this thing to really work. And I could feel that there was something I cared about that was behind that, that was really important to me, but I was getting too invested in the surface level stuff and people weren't connecting with it. Like there's this weird fine line that you have to draw where you're like, I believe that the reason I'm trying to do this is good, but I'm not finding the right thing that's that's communicating that to people. And that's really tough. And that takes a long time to figure out how to do that. But it helps to have a, a core, an emotional core that you feel really strong about. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was reading an interview with uh, Neil Blomkamp about, he said something about Elysium, which I, I haven't seen, but a lot of people say is pretty mediocre as a film. And he said something about like, he just gets so enamored with concept art and he loves a piece of concept art so much that he decides he wants to make a film about it. And he himself was like, I think that's why Elysium wasn't very good is because I just, people handed me this concept art, you know, and I, and, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. I've got to make a film about that. And it turns out there wasn't anything really deeper to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I play games from time to time that 
that I, I think are beautiful and that I think are very evocative in their architecture and that I, I will never remember them because they're not about anything. Like they were spaces that were meant to be sort of like looked at and meandered by. And I've designed a lot of those spaces. And I, I in my opinion, several of them are still in Beginner's Guide, which are just like, okay, you thought that would look cool, but you didn't have a bigger plan for that. And, Almost everything that's in Beginner's Guide now was like, okay, that looks cool, but does it actually have something that's worth, that makes it memorable? Okay, well, let's add this thing that you do into it. Oh, okay, does that feel interesting? Well, kind of, but it's sort of missing this like, hmm, okay, well, what if, what if I did this? What if we added this thing to it? It just goes through that over and over and over and over. And I don't know, like, I never know whether or not it's working. I only know when I sit someone down and they go, yeah, I really felt something from that, right? And the, the, the bajillion times in Beginner's Guide, like I'd sit someone down in front of something and they'd go like, well, okay, that was, that was fine, I guess. And then I would be like, well, back to the drawing board because it didn't evoke anything for them. They didn't feel anything from it. I don't, I don't know, uh, to be honest with you, when it works and when it doesn't. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe when you get a chance. Have an awesome day.